The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 351. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like me on Facebook, and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all those social media accounts at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook and a free audiobook, so you want to do that. You also want to go to mcclanahanacademy.com to support the show, mcclanahanacademy.com. That is my awesome educational website. You can enroll for free. You get a free class when you enroll. You get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses when you are enrolled, free of charge. So you want to do that, go out to mclanahanacademy.com, enroll. Also, while you're at brianmclanahan.com, click on that support tab. You can support the show by throwing a few pennies my way. You can get your book plates there if you want my autograph on one of my books. You can also purchase one of those books anywhere you get books. My newest book is Southern Scribblings. That's only available at Amazon, so pick that one up too. It is 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. You can also click on that Shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. You also get the Think Locally, Act Locally logo. Lots of great ways to support the show. Also, you know, rate it wherever you get your podcast. Share it around on social media. Do all those things to help more people get involved with the show and thinking locally and acting locally. All right, so coming to you a little late. Didn't do a podcast yesterday. Doing one today a little late because I had some things to take care of. But we're back. I promise we'd be back. We're going to probably have a show Tuesday through Friday this week instead of Monday through Thursday. So, And also, get that Abbeville Institute podcast as well. Uh, that comes out once a week. I talk about all things Southern there. So if you like this show, you probably like that show. So you can get me five days a week. That show comes out typically on Saturday. All right, let's talk about the topic of the day. I promised we were going to do this last Thursday. I said it's coming the first of the week. I meant to get it done yesterday. We're just doing it today. And we're going to talk about Trump's acceptance speech at the Republican convention. Well, what was left of the Republican convention on Thursday of last week. The speech was overshadowed by what happened after the speech, which, of course, is several members of the audience were attacked, including Rand Paul, attacked by uh, malcontents outside the White House and people leaving the White House grounds, walking to hotels. I mean, I think this is important. You're not safe in D.C. any longer. Uh, And I think that Americans need to understand that the violence, as I've mentioned on this show many times, the violence that we're seeing is coming from the left. And Trump, of course, addressed that in the speech. So I want to talk about this particular speech And something Joe Biden said a couple of days after the speech was over, he suggested that he's condemned the violence in Portland. Why doesn't Trump do that? Well, Trump did. In fact, he had a paragraph dedicated to it in the speech. And what else does he have to say? This is where the Democrats are living in la-la land. And I think that they know that they are losing voters because of what's happening in the United States at this current time. They know that their policies, their ideas... Their language, their, their rhetoric has caused a lot of the problems in America that we're seeing right now. Now, it's not to say the Republican Party is innocent in any of this. And when I say that, 
Trump's speech was the best Lincolnian nationalist speech he's ever made. You see, Donald Trump is still living in 1950s America. That's not a slap at Trump. But he's still living in post-World War II America, as are a lot of people from the boomer generation. This is what they want. They want 1950s, pre-1968 America when everything seemed to go haywire. And it's not about race or the civil rights movement. This is what people, oh, well, they're just, they're just mad about civil rights. It has nothing to do with it because if you read Trump's speech, he's very complimentary of essentially the civil rights movement and things that are going on. But what they started seeing was a bunch of malcontents run around America calling it awful. And that's what they're combating. Now, I mean, we could say that there's a lot of awful, awful things in America. And I, I've been very critical of Lincolnian nationalism, and rightfully so, because it is a problem long term, because it does not give these states the flexibility they need to deal with things. On the other hand, you have Trump criticizing states like Oregon, because Oregon refuses to allow the general government to send in the National Guard, whatever that is. I mean, I've talked about the National Guard, too. It's unconstitutional. But send in the militia, essentially, to put down the violence in Portland. And you have the Portland mayor running around saying that this is all Trump's fault. You see, the mindset here is it's like it's your fault if you had a nice house. That's your fault. And so if we take it from you, you deserve it because it's your fault that you had that. By having that, you're creating envy in me, and that's something I can't handle, so I have to take it from you. I have to burn it down, destroy it, loot it, rob it, whatever it is. In fact, there's a new book out, maybe you've seen this, in defense of looting, how this is a natural thing. This is a natural expression of rage at the establishment. This is where we are in 2020. This is how dangerous things are actually getting that you have property rights now being thrown under the bus in the name of people having envy for your stuff. What we have are a bunch of toddlers running around throwing ten temper tantrums on the left. You see, Trump didn't cause any of this stuff. People that refuse to concede that they lost an election are causing this stuff. In fact, as I've mentioned before, the best thing that could happen from Trump's election is that California leaves the union. California, Washington, Oregon, maybe they would just end up leaving the United States, which would be a blessing for the rest of the United States. And maybe then New England could go too, and we would have real America left. Because that's always been real America. The South and the West, which the West has been heavily influenced by the South, the agrarian tradition in the South, the agrarian tradition in the West. Maybe you would have a situation where these areas could actually, you know, blue-collar, real Americans could get away from these very crazy, insane people on the two coasts, particularly the deep north and the left coast, and we could have real America again. Everyone that's in real America, we could just have that. I mean, it'd be great. When you look at the malcontents who are causing problems in the South, for example, they're not Southerners, most of them. Most of them are transplants who don't like what the South is, yet they wanted to live there because they knew what the South was as well. They knew it wasn't New England, they knew it wasn't California, but yet when they moved there, they can't stand it because it's not like where they're from, which is exactly why they moved there, so they try to change everything. All right, so that's an entirely different subject. But I want to get into Trump's speech. Again, the best Lincolnian nationalist speech he's ever given, in my opinion. All the speeches that I read from Trump, this one is very, very good, particularly the end of the speech. It's an optimistic, positive speech. And I know the, the polls are out, well, Trump didn't get a bump, Trump didn't get this or that. I think, again, CNN is going into overdrive to try to 
to try to uh, quote unquote fact check this speech, to try to make it look like it wasn't very important, to go into saying that Trump lied 20 something times in the speech, whatever the case may be. Trump is, is, they know that with speeches like this, Trump wins. You see, because most Americans love this stuff. They eat it up. It's red meat. Not just for those on the right, who of course are unabashed Trump supporters. But he's also going to appeal to blue-collar Americans. He's going to appeal to nationalist Americans who don't like what they're seeing in Portland, who don't like what they're seeing in Kenosha, who don't like any of this stuff. They don't like the left running around acting like a bunch of little crybabies. They really don't like it. In their mind, we should have a situation where we have people accept the results of an election. You can have disagreements with them, but they do get tired of the left running around saying that uh, you know Trump is this or that. And again, Trump beats all that stuff back in this particular speech. Of course, the, the, the New York Times, where I'm getting this, has... Uh, they have to bash the speech from the beginning. You know, they, this is a long speech. And Trump did. He talked for 70 minutes, which really was a, a long speech. I want to begin with some of the... One thing he says right at the beginning, he's uh, near the beginning. He says, The Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln, goes forward united, determined, and ready to welcome millions of Democrats, independents, and anyone who believes in the greatness of America and the righteous heart of the American people. That's a brilliant line for so many reasons. Trump and the Republican Party are continually trying to attach the Republican Party with the party of Lincoln. And I've actually said on this podcast, it, it still is. It still is the party of Lincoln. It has not changed. The Republican Party still is a nationalist party as it's always been. Now, you can say that there are people in the Republican Party who are more interested in federalism, but I would say that's uh, a few members of the Congress, maybe. Maybe people like Thomas Massey or Rand Paul, the more libertarian group in the Republican Party. And then, of course, you have the constituents at the state and local level who call themselves Republicans because the Democrats essentially left them and they had nowhere else to go, so they turned to the other major party. But the Republican Party at the national level has, is still the party of Abraham Lincoln. It always has been. It always will be. It is, it is the same party ideologically in so many ways. In fact, Trump is a Lincolnian Republican. This is what he is. He believes in heavy-handed federal policies. He believes in top-down nationalism. This is what he believes in. And again, Americans generally eat this stuff up. And when he says that you're going to welcome Democrats independence, that's, that's you know, he's trying to appeal to kind of a Reagan persona there. This is what Reagan did in 1980 and 1984. He's trying to get back the blue-collar that he thinks is still there, and I agree with him. I think it's still there, too. Americans like this stuff. The greatness of America and the righteous heart of the American people. He's saying that to take a slap at the left who don't believe in the greatness of America. You got Michelle Obama, you know, eight years ago saying the first time in her life she's been proud of her country, who's now saying that she doesn't think that 
uh, she gets enough attention anymore because she's no longer first lady. And this is microaggressions and all kinds of nonsense. I mean, Michelle Obama is one of the most celebrated women in America still to this day. Uh, but I mean, this is what they do. There's never a time when anyone is satisfied with where things are. And the righteous heart of the American people, that's a slap at something like the 1619 Project, which America is awful from the beginning. This is the Tennessee Titans standing up, and I'm going to talk about that this week too, saying uh, uh, we're, we're, we live in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a racist country from the beginning, from the time first people stepped here. Uh, and so Trump is combating that from the beginning as well. And I thought that was... That was a brilliant line. Whoever wrote it, I don't know who wrote the speech. I know Trump didn't do it. Whoever wrote it did a great job with that particular line. Then he goes down a couple. He, he talks about something about you know, the United States. But then he has this paragraph, which I also thought, um, the next couple of paragraphs, which I thought was really great too, from this Lincolnian nationalist position. And now I'm not advocating this position. I'm simply saying what Trump is doing as red meat to his supporters and ingeniously trying to link in people that might be sitting on the fence. He says, this has been the home of, the, of larger-than-life figures like Teddy Roosevelt and Andrew Jackson, who rallied Americans to bold visions of a bigger and brighter future. Now, both of those men, I've said, have screwed up America in many ways. All right? so, but they're still nationalists, and I think that's what he's trying to do here. Within these walls live tenacious generals like President Grant and Eisenhower, who led our soldiers in the cause of freedom. So again, he's looking at Grant, which is you know, Ron Chernow and others have tried to revitalize Grant's reputation. He's a great Republican, a great civil rights advocate, all these things, which uh, if you get my book, Southern Scribblings, I review a book in there that takes apart Grant, which is a great book. Phil Lee's book on Grant is really good. Uh, from these grounds, Thomas Jefferson sent Lewis and Clark to chart our continent. In the depths of a bloody civil war, President Abraham Lincoln looked out these very windows upon a half-completed Washington monument and asked God and his providence to save our nation. Two weeks after Pearl Harbor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt welcomed Winston Churchill and just inside, they set our people on course to victory in the Second World War. Now again, all nationalist rhetoric there. This is what he's trying to do. He picked the most nationalist presidents, I mean, really, you could pick. But Franklin Roosevelt, one of the most popular presidents in American history. Everyone loves one World War II. Uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, we won the Civil War. Thomas Jefferson, still ranked very high. And I think it's an interesting slap at the left that he uses Thomas Jefferson and Jackson and Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, because all of those people are being attacked by the left. He picked three figures that are being attacked by the left. Again, ingenious, or at least his speechwriter was ingenious for doing this. He says, in recent months, our nation and the entire planet has been struck by a new and powerful invisible enemy. Like those brave Americans before us, we are meeting this challenge. We are delivering life-saving therapies and will produce a vaccine before the end of the year, or maybe even sooner. We will defeat the virus and the pandemic and emerge stronger than ever before. What united generations passed was an unshakable confidence in America's destiny and an unbreakable faith in the American people. They knew that our country is blessed by God and has a special purpose in this world. It is this conviction or that conviction that inspired the formation of our union, our westward expansion, the abolition of slavery, the passage of civil rights, the space program, the overthrow of fascism, tyranny, and communism. Again, a beautifully written line. 
and attaching his administration to this Lincolnian nationalism. If you look at the things that he talked about there, where can you accuse, with this line, how could you accuse the Trump administration of being a fascist, a racist, or anything else? He's saying that these people brought us westward expansion, which, of course, some would say is racist because it took out it took land from the American Indian tribes. But he says the abolition of slavery, the civil rights, passage of civil rights, the space program, and then getting rid of fascism, tyranny, and communism. Beautiful line, because he's calling on these, uh, these nationalists. Now, notice, notice he doesn't use Reagan. He doesn't say anything about Reagan. Reagan is a very popular president, even for some people on the left still, for that Cold War, the winning of the Cold War. And then he says this, this towering American spirit has prevailed over every challenge and has lifted us to the summit of human endeavor. And yet, despite all of our greatness as a nation, everything we have achieved is now in danger. This is the most important election in the history of our country. Now, again, blowing that out of proportion, I could think of many other elections that were important. And every president says this. We know the left is saying this, too. We know that we had uh, Eva Longoria come on and say this. I mean, I've already talked about how stupid that was. So I'm going to call this stupid as well. That's a stupid line. But again, people eat this up. You got to rally the troops. You got to get out there and say that this is the most important election you're ever going to see. Because if you don't, if you don't vote for me, the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. I mean, this is what each side has to do. He says, at no time before have voters faced a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, or two agendas. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I think that we have. But you could make a case, and I know my friend Don Livingston does make a case, that we are more divided in America than ever before, even during 1860, when you had the United States again spill over into a war just one year later. You still had a lot of similarities between Northerners and Southerners, at least on the surface. I mean, most Northerners were Christians. Most Southerners were Christians. They still had a fundamental belief in the United States Constitution, for whatever that meant, in their own way, but they still believed in it. They still had a belief in the United States government that should, do, that should follow that Constitution. The North was saying they were. The South was saying they were. But this were, these were constitutional questions. What we have now are fundamentally conflicting visions for not just America, but for human nature, human society in so many ways, for human history. And in that way, maybe we are more conflicted. Maybe we have greater divisions between people than we've ever had in the United States at any time. And I think that is potentially very dangerous because how do you reconcile those differences? I think Trump did a good job uh, of appealing to enough people on the other side Get them to cast a ballot for them. And I think there's more of those people out there still in 2020 than we know. But you do have uh, the absolute abject lunacy of the other side. And I'm not, I don't know where we go from here. I mean, we're, we're at 1850s rhetoric where Southerners were called animals, you know, the drunken vomit of an uneasy civilization. What, you know, what, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Charles Sumner called Southerners vomit, devils. Essentially what Americans who don't agree with the left are also being called. They're subhuman. He said this election will decide whether we defend the American way of life or allow a radical movement to completely dismantle and destroy it. 
It won't happen. At the Democrat National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight I ask you a simple question. How can the Democratic Party ask to lead our country when it spent so much time tearing down our country? And this is a very good question. Because the left is built on these factions that believe in these things. If you followed anything that they were doing at their convention, it's all based on this stuff. It is a collection of factions. Whereas you can say that the Republican Party, the nationalist side of that, is a national party. What they want is a top-down, one-size-fits-all, center-right controlled government. The left doesn't want a center-left controlled government. They want a left. They want a far-left controlled government. And they do believe that everything about American history pre-1975 or pre-1980 or pre-1985, I mean, take your pick. Probably, I would say many of them, pre-2009 is bad. And they would pick 2009 as year one because that's when Barack Obama was canonized as an American saint. And the less backward view, they do not see America as the most free, just, and exceptional nation on earth. Instead, they see a wicked nation that must be punished for its sins. I mean, this is true. This is how the left views American history. Our opponents say that redemption for you can only come from giving power to them. He hits a very important point here. The left is about power. They don't, I mean, in some ways, they don't care about this stuff. They just want power, and they want power because they think it's their birthright. The left believes their birthright is political power to tell others what to do. This is Yankees. This is the Yankee in them. You have that, of course, in Europe as well, but you really see it in America because of the Yankee tradition in America. The city upon a hill, you must do what I say, because if you don't do what I say, we're going to kill you, or we're going to make your life miserable, or dox you, or do whatever else we're going to do. Uh, and I think that's dangerous. They do not believe in independent thinkers. They do believe in thought police. They believe in everything that's wrong with George Orwell's 1984. They believe that stuff is, I mean, that's a guidebook to them. They believe it. And if you look at the 1619 Project and other things they produce, I mean, that's just one example. This is the fundamental core value that they have, that everything in America is unjust and wrong and needs to be fixed. And the only way to do it, the only way to get them to, the only way to get the left to stop rioting is to elect Joe Biden. What is that? That's blackmail coercion. We'll stop rioting if you elect our guy. But if you don't elect our guy, we're going to riot. Americans should wake up to that and say, well, you little babies, fine. What do you do? When, do you, when a toddler is throwing a temper tantrum, do you give in, just give them the toy? Or do you teach them that they can't do this? What we have in America now are a bunch of, uh, a bunch of parents that want to give the toddler the toy. And we know what toddlers do with toys. They destroy everything. This is what you would get if you would let the, the left assume power. The nationalist left. The nationalist right can be just as problematic, and I think they are. But the left is much more violent and dangerous. Uh, of course, he then gets to attack Joe Biden for a while. And, and uh, I'm not going to get into what, what he says. He does talk about uh, the foreign policy. Uh, he says this, from the moment I left my former life behind and it was a good life, I've done nothing but fight for you. I did what our political establishment never expected and can never forgive, breaking the cardinal rule of Washington politics. I kept my promise. Together we ended the rule of the failed political class and they are desperate to get their power back by any means necessary. You have seen that. 
They're angry at me because instead of putting them first, I very simply said America first. There is part of this. This, this is the Lincoln Project. This is the Never Trumpers on the right. This is, of course, the left. These people want their power. They want to be in control of things. The Never Trumpers have, are upset that they lost their Republican Party, which was basically just the go-along-to-get-along party so they could raise money on always a boogeyman. You look at Heritage Foundation, for example. The left is great for them because if the left is still there, they can always raise money. Uh, if you look at left-wing organizations, they need the 1619 Project because that creates a boogeyman, a false boogeyman, that they can rent, then raise money off of. This is the whole point of all of it. You, I mean, that's why they do it. So they can continue to raise money and have conferences that mean nothing. He gets into some of the policies, and then he gets into crime. Uh, and, I, and I want to talk about the crime part or the... Uh, the part of it where he gets into what's going on in America right now. Well, before I do that, I want to talk about what Biden said or what he said Biden said at the Democrat convention. He said, Joe Biden's campaign has even published a 110-page policy platform. You can't get away from this. Co-authored with far-left Senator Crazy Bernie Sanders, the Bernie Biden-Bernie manifesto calls for suspending all removals of illegal aliens, implementing nationwide catch and release, providing illegal aliens with free taxpayer-funded lawyers. Joe Biden recently raised his hand on the debate stage and promised he was going to give it away, your health care dollars, to illegal immigrants, which will bring massive numbers of immigrants into our country. Massive numbers will pour into our country in order to get all the goodies that they want to give, education, health care, everything. He also supports deadly sanctuary cities that protect criminal aliens. He promised end national security travel bans from jihadist nations, and he pledged to increase refugee admissions by 700%. This is in the manifesto. The Biden plan would eliminate Americans, America's borders in the middle of a global pandemic, and he's even talking about taking the wall down. How about that? This is very much a Trump rally speech in a lot of ways. Um, but this is where he gets into crime. He says no one will be safe in Biden's America. The most dangerous aspect of the Biden platform is the attack on public safety. The Biden-Bernie manifesto calls for abolishing cash bail, immediately releasing 400,000 criminals onto the streets and into your neighborhoods. When asked if he supports cutting police funding, Joe Biden replied, yes, absolutely. When Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar called the Minneapolis Police Department a cancer that is rotten to the root, Biden would not disavow her support and reject her endorsement. He proudly displayed it, and shortly later on his website, displayed it in big letters. And then he gets into some of the things that are happening. But then he says this. In the strongest possible terms, the Republican Party condemns the rioting, looting, arson, and violence we have seen in Democrat-run cities all like Kenosha, Minneapolis, Portland, Chicago, and New York, and many others Democrat-run. Now, just two days later, Biden said, well, Trump needs to denounce the violence. He did it in his speech. So you wonder if, I mean, this is because the news will cover for Joe Biden when he says something so idiotic. They'll cover for him. Trump did denounce it. The violence condemns the violence in Democrat-run cities. There is violence and danger in the streets of many Democrat-run cities throughout America. This problem could be easily fixed if they wanted to. Just call. We're ready to go in. We will take care of your problem in a matter of hours. Just call. We have to wait for the call. It's too bad we have to, but we have to wait for the call. I mean, this is where he's talking about the legal part of it. They do have to wait for a call from the, from the Democrats. So the Democrats are running around saying, it's all Trump's fault we're having this problem. Trump is making very clear he'd help if he could, but he can't. So he's putting it back on the Democrats. He should do this every single day because Americans 
do not want violence in the streets. He says there is violence and danger in the streets of many, many Democrat-run cities throughout America. The problem can be easily fixed. Okay, he said that. We must have law and order. All federal crimes are being investigated, prosecuted, and punished to the full extent of the law. When the anarchists started ripping down our statues and monuments right outside, I signed an order immediately, 10 years in prison, and it was a miracle. It all stopped. No more statues, they said. That's just too long as they looked as a statue. I think we'll rip it down. Then they said, 10 years in prison? I think that's too long. Let's go home. This is true. Once the Trump administration started protecting statues, you haven't seen one come down. Ten years in prison for ripping them down. I mean, this is important. You see, what the, what the left is accepting is destruction of property. Violence, looting, burning, arson, property damage. They're accepting this, and people are seeing it, and they know it's reflecting in the polls. People don't like it. They want it to stop, which is why... Biden came out against it. Kamala Harris, who said just a couple of weeks before, or a few weeks before that, we're not going to stop. Now, oh, we got to stop. Why? Because they're going to lose the election if they don't. Trump praises Tim Scott. He talks about all kinds of things. But I want to get to the end of the speech because, again, very Lincolnian nationalists. I know we're running long here. Uh, I normally don't like to go 30 minutes. But this is a great part of the speech. And probably the best part of the entire speech. And again, a great Lincolnian nationalist speech. He says, our opponents believe that America is a depraved nation. We want our sons and daughters to know the truth. America is the greatest and most exceptional nation in the history of the world. Our country wasn't built by cancel culture, speech codes, and crushing conformity. That's an important line. Crushing conformity. See, the left wants everyone to conform to their leftist agenda. And if you don't, they want to destroy you. This is what cancel culture is all about. What speech codes are all about. He says, we are not a nation of timid spirits. We are a nation of fierce, proud, and independent American patriots. We are a nation of pilgrims, pioneers, adventurers, explorers, and trailblazers who re- refuse to be tied down, held back, or in any way reined in. That's my politically incorrect guide to real American heroes. I wrote that eight years ago. Americans have steel in their spines, grit in their souls, and fire in their hearts. There is no one like us on earth. I want every child in America to know that you are part of the most exciting and incredible adventure in in human history. No matter where your family comes from, no matter your background in America, anyone can rise with hard work, devotion, and drive. You can reach any goal and achieve any or every ambition. Our American ancestors sailed across the perilous ocean to build a new life on a new continent. They braved the freezing winters, crossed the raging rivers, excuse me, scaled the rocky peaks, trekked the dangerous forests, and worked from dawn till dusk. These pioneers didn't have money, they didn't have fame, but they had each other. They loved their families, they loved their country, and they loved their God. When opportunity beckoned, they picked up their Bibles, picked up their belongings, climbed into their covered wagons, and set out west for the next adventure. Ranchers and miners, cowboys and sheriffs, farmers and settlers, they pressed on past the Mississippi to stake claim in the wild frontier. Legends were born, Wyatt Earp, Annie Oakley, David Crockett, and Buffalo Bill. Americans built their beautiful homesteads on the open range. Soon, They had churches and communities, then towns, and with time, great centers of industry and commerce. That is who they were. Americans build their future. We don't tear down our past. Again, a great line. This is red meat. We are the nation that won a revolution, toppled tyranny and fascism, and uh, delivered millions into freedom. We laid down the railroads, built the great ships, raised up the skyscrapers, revolutionized industry, and sparked a new age of scientific discovery. We set the trends in art and music, radio and film, sport and literature. And we did it with style and confidence and flair because that is who we are. 
Whenever our way of life was threatened, our heroes answered the call from Yorktown to Gettysburg, from Normandy to Iwo Jima. American patriots raced into cannon blasts, bullets, and bayonets to rescue American liberty. They had no fear, but America did not stop there. We looked into the sky and kept pressing onward. We built a six million pound rocket and launched it thousands of miles into space. We did it so two brave, brave patriots could stand tall and salute our wondrous American flag planted on the face of the moon. For America, nothing is impossible. Uh, this is a very positive part of the speech, and I think compared to the Democrats, which was not very positive, it's all critical of the past and how we're going to be touchy-feely and try to work with things. There's no, there's no rugged individualism. There's nothing there. It was a shallow, stupid speech, as I covered on this particular podcast. So Trump's speech compared to Biden's speech was a thousand times better. It's a Lincolnian nationalist speech, as you would expect from a Lincolnian nationalist. It doesn't talk about federalism or anything else, which, of course, he does say there's federal. I mean, he talks about federalism slightly in this when he says, you know, we have to have permission. We don't. These kind of things. But he is, I think, pushing all the right buttons to get his constituents, his supporters invigorated and to perhaps, if the speech were covered, to get people on board with this. I think he made a mistake making it 70 minutes, but regardless, uh, I thought it was a very good Lincolnian national speech. Red meat for his constituents. I think he said all the right things, uh, criticized all the right things, sided with all the right things to appeal to the mass and, uh, you know, superficial voter in many ways in American society. So that's it. That's Trump's speech. I got another topic. We're going to talk about cancel culture tomorrow and what that means and some of the stupidity that's running around out there. But I wanted to hit this speech today. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. <laughs>